0: What's up guys welcome into the OBR film breakdown your weekend edition we're actually going to have two weekend episodes this weekend because it is packed full of content right we have training camp going on we're going to get our first live session for fans on Saturday so I want to come back and visit you guys Sunday but have a great Saturday episode for you guys uh, we'll get to our guest here in just a little bit reminder I'm Jake Burns I'm your host things that we have up at the OBR that we covered as a great reference point for what has gone on at camp or just kind of around the team so we had uh, myself, I put up a 53 man roster prediction. If you listen to the pod this week, I did that episode with Jared Mueller. I wanted to put that in writing, uh, sort of again, pre-training camp pre preseason. I call it pre-evidence, right? We'll do another one of those post evidence that'll come in about a month. And then other things we had up, obviously the daily newswire from Barry McBride. We had a day three recap that we get from, uh, Fred Greetham, who is live on site all the time with the latest on Deshaun Watson, Amari Cooper being ready to go, Anthony Schwartz injury update and more. So you can check that out. Jack Duffin put up his how the slot receiver and skill position snaps Break Down in 22, giving you a review of what's happened in the past and a preview of what's going on in the future. And then um, I wrote up real quick because the, there was a late day news piece on the Browns claiming safety, Javante Moffitt, bringing him back to the organization where he had been with the Jets he had signed with the Jets so um I really like that I, I don't think I need to go too deep into that but I really like bringing him in because there are four safeties I like the other guys that are just kind of around who I just I don't know I don't feel great about because if you're going to play three safeties often or dime back or Ronnie Harrison a lot I think you have to be able to have somebody who can be an up and down player in case of injuries or things of that nature Guys on the roster were Nate Meters, Luther Kirk, uh, around the league for a little bit, but extremely unproven and in a new system, and then UDFA DeAnthony Bell out of West Florida. I really like Moffitts. He could fight for that fourth safety role if Richard LeCount can't handle it, but he is also a really great up-and-down flexibility guy because he spent two years in this system. I mean, he's playing the NFL 20 and 21 both with the browns he knows joe Wood's system that's all he's been around really outside of his brief time with the jets so i feel like that's a really good outcome for the browns fifth safety and a a depth piece they need because if you recall last year ronnie harrison missed a lot of camp grant Delpit was being eased back and javante Maffa was getting a lot of those snaps so i'm excited to have him back a lot of seven on seven on the third day of training camp and, and that's great a lot of competition things not live Uh, body-on-body, 11-on-11 stuff yet that we have been able to see, but a lot of skelly, a lot of 7-on-7, a lot of skill positions getting work in. Didn't get to see a whole bunch of the big fellas down there doing one-on-ones and technique training. That'll come. Again, reminder, pads are Tuesday, so we're not far off from that. But the 11-on-11 stuff will creep up over the weekend, especially when the fans get there. Um, Things that stood out to me, and I highlighted several different things on my Twitter account. Uh, where people have videos. I take a glance at the video and give you an idea of schematically what is going on. Uh, Johnny Stanton getting some reps will look like a tight end. I know we've talked about him as a fullback, but t- potential, uh, potentially getting a chance to be the third tight end. I don't know if that comes to fruition. I still don't think that will, but he was getting some snaps out wide, a nice little look at what they would do out of 12 personnel with uh, Harrison Bryant outside, uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones in the slot, and then Um, A look at, uh, you know, an inline David and Joku to go with that group. You got some bunch looks in terms of formations, tight alignment stuff on a key focal point was third downs. And again, I encourage you to go look at my Twitter feed and check that out because you can check out what the Browns were doing to to be an effective third down passing team. Uh, Things just route concepts that they really like and some good glimpses at what Amari Cooper can do. Uh, The timing with with uh, Deshaun Watson, all that stuff was on display. AJ Green had a really nice interception. He was getting some reps obviously is going to be a focal point of getting reps with the second unit and potentially down the line could crack the first unit. I know with Denzel Ward out, you're getting Greg Newsome and Greedy uh, Williams outside. They are going to bring AJ into the first group and bump Greg Newsome inside time to time. So that's something to keep your eye on. And Joku had a really beautiful touchdown catch. Miller Forrest still had a nice touchdown catch in the the red zone uh, period where you sort of condense everything down and you you move the ball inside the 20-yard line, uh, the opponent's 20-yard line. Um, so that was important. Another thing that that gets noted is Anthony Schwartz's update is a knee strain, which is a great outcome for what we thought it could be something more serious. So a knee strain is not all too bad. Uh, we can, we can manage that over the coming weeks and it doesn't lead to some of the panic that some of us were feeling recently. Uh, the Browns also mentioned the alpha dog concept for their defense. This is something that they want to do a prize every day. I'm not sure there has been some, uh, it's, it almost feels like it's being kept in house. This little uh, label they're using for guys trying to, you know, win that competitive award every day for making the most plays on the field and and um, you know uh, talking about just about rising up every day. Uh, Joe Woods had a lot of interview quotes. One that stood out to me is a quote you've heard from me a lot on this podcast, which is JOK playing linebacker like a running back. And that's what he said about JOK, saying the Browns want their defenders to be like animals they hunt. We want our linebackers to be like running backs. And I think JOK plays like a running back, which, uh, you know, I really I really like that. I really do. So um, that's all. That's all I have. Again, you can always get look at a, a live look at video clips as I post them on my Twitter feed when I come across them and then uh, try to do a little bit more with quotes every day. But today we have an episode that I want to get to, a concept that I think should be fun. I have not had, as you know, my time has been limited, uh, bringing in a second human into planet Earth. Uh, I, thought, I thought I'd thought i have more time to get with more people from these teams, but I don't, and we're leading up into to training camp, and things change, and it gets crazy. And I wanted to still get some AFC North banter in, so I'm going to welcome in John Colosimo. John, I'll have him on in just a moment. Uh, we're going to switch over, and John and I are going to rank The uh, AFC North, how we think it's going to play out. We'll talk about the other three teams in the AFC North. We're going to give our feel for what we think is going to be the shape of the division by year's end. I know it's unpredictable. I get it. It's futile. But, you know, every year we have a feel for this. And John and I spend every single Friday episode during the season, for the most part, talking about around the AFC North. So I think John and I getting together to rehash some of the movements and, and feel for these teams and how we feel about them going into the year is pretty good. So we will do that with John right after this break. All right, John. I'm pumped to have you in, man. Feel really good about this uh, AFC North stuff we've always done. Before we do so, though, we have been going back and forth on this. If you've been a loyal listener to this podcast, we have uh, we've had this thing's been around for a while. John and I have done it together before. Uh, we've now gotten to a little bit more uh, time together on this show. And you had a funny story today from somebody uh, at a restaurant. Was it a restaurant you saw someone who saw your hat or something like? Give me, give me that one again. Yeah.
3: Yeah. No. So, uh, we went out to dinner to kind of save some effort today with the kids. And, uh, it's also always a risk if you, uh, you if you have, if you have kids, you know what I'm talking about, you know, you're, you have to prep for it and be ready for, you know, to bail at any moment. (laughs) So, uh, so we tried that anyway. So we go to, um, get some dinner and I'm wearing my Browns film breakdown, uh, you know, OG hat, which I'm always wearing. So, um, Anyway, the uh, the gentleman at the um, at the desk as I walked in asked, you know, hey, is that a is that a real podcast? You do you do that? And uh, I said, yeah, yeah, we um, it's it's called something else now, but um, yeah, we're still on and uh, this is still definitely going strong. And <clears throat> he he said that uh, well, I you know, I used to do a podcast with a uh, guy from. Um, what was it, uh, Dogpond Daily, I think is uh, who he said that he had done a previous podcast with, didn't do it anymore, but uh, sat there and, you know, he subscribed on the spot. So, uh, you know, um, I didn't catch his name, but if you, uh, if you happen to be listening to this show, then I uh, hope you enjoy it and it's just kind of a funny, <laughs> funny story.
0: It is a funny story, man. Anytime I hear those that it, you, I do this pod and you've done it with me, John, and we've gone to it's like. Is anybody ever listening? You know, like does anyone right. yeah. it's kind of funny to to hear that people do listen to it. I, I hope it I means going strong. I hope it continues to go strong. We'll see where we're at in a couple of years. But, um, John, I need two opinions of things from you, uh, two, two things that have been out there that I think you and I just right up our alley. The first has been Roethlisberger. He has a quote. It, it, I don't know if he's doing like uh, some 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 stuff with the local Pittsburgh. I don't know who Pittsburgh's newspapers are, whatever. Um, And he gets gets on this tangent where he calls himself out for being a little bit on a soapbox talking about when he came into the league. uh, It was a team like it was it was it was very team driven team motivations team team team. And then today's players are more, um, you know, more self centered more me more, more me first types. And, and to my, my reaction is this, like I knew Ben Roethlisberger was going to be up there for like dumbest post retirement quotes ever, because there's a guy that he's he's a dude who should just fade into oblivion because of what, you know, what he was able to do in light of what happened early in his career. And like he should just never be drawing attention to himself. But the funniest part of all of it is he pisses off Cam Hayward. Cam Hayward calls him out for it, hates the comment. And it's like Cam Hayward is like seems like one of the nicest dudes out there, like like a true team dude. You know, oh, like my God, yeah.
3: Embodies what he's talking about, you know.
0: And and then somebody was like, uh, you know, for, for me, it was the irony of like, well, the way Ben Roethlisberger came into the NFL was the most me first, alienate your entire city of Finley. Like, it was so me, me, me. And it's just ironic that he would try to play that at the end. That is that, That's the excuse for Pittsburgh not having success late in his career. Like, okay, really? Like, that's your excuse for Pittsburgh not having one more than – I don't think Pittsburgh won more than one playoff game in the last like 10 years. I don't know what the number is, but it's 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 kind of jarring splitting his career in half and how little success they had in the second half of his career. But like uh, I just found it funny that he would pigeonhole it that way. And then the thing I really want to get your reaction to is someone said you laugh about it now because I said, you know, Ben Roethlisberger has like the, the arc for Ben Roethlisberger, ridiculous Post-retirement quotes are so high. It's it's so. It's there's so much potential there. And someone's like, "Well, just wait until he's." They either said he's either going to run for governor or senator or Congress. One of those. He's going to run for elected office in in Pennsylvania. And I'm like, "Oh my god, you're probably right." Like this guy has no self awareness, and that will probably be the best. That's like what politicians need is just zero self-awareness. So I want to get your reaction to like Congressman Ben Roethlisberger, how that Uh, sits with you.
3: That just, well, I mean how it sits with me, like a, like a glass of spoiled milk, but you know, also it makes a ton of sense in terms of, you know, like I mean in a world where you've got Herschel Walker making a serious run and he's like certifiably insane. Like Ben Roethlisberger is a douche and, and lots of other Adjectives um, that don't need to be said here, but but I wouldn't call him certifiably insane. Uh, So, yes, in a world where I'm watching this insane Herschel Walker um, race down in Georgia, it makes total sense to me that somehow, some way. Um, ben Roethlisberger ends up governor. And then everybody, can you imagine, like you said that he has potential for, you know, post-retirement quotes. And, you know, there's few microphones bigger these days than for a governor who, uh, who loves to hear himself talk. And I can't imagine the, the results. And I, I, I pray that, you know, uh, that that doesn't happen, but it just makes so much sense that it's almost inevitable.
0: It is almost inevitable and hilarious that it's going to happen. It's hilariously sad that that this is probably the direction it's going for him and uh, the people of Pennsylvania. Anyway, another one I had to just get your take on is this Kyler Murray clause in his contract. He has to watch four hours of film, and in in his four hours of film, he can't have the TV on or play video games or anything. I mean, I... I just need your react. I I've gave my reaction on this show. I need your reaction and the hilarity of it, and then to then pull it back afterwards. It's an all timer. It's an all time NFL team blunder to have that get publicized. It's How could unreal. you put that in writing?
3: How could you put that in writing? You know, I mean, I mean, the obvious first question that um, it begs is, um, like. What do you, you're going to sign somebody to a top flight NFL contract with today's numbers with the feeling that was so strong as an organization that you felt the need to put essentially a teenager's clause, like a parent wrote it for a high school junior. (laughs) I mean, it's just just, like earning your allowance. It's like earning your allowance. it, It totally is. Yes. Yes. I mean, that's not how you earn hundreds of millions of dollars that is how you earn your ten dollar
0: allowance every week and don't get grounded <laughs> you know, it's like, an all-timer <laughs> i i still can't believe it got publicized and like they put it in writing so that somebody could dig into the contract and figure it out i i'm I'm dumbfounded. It really is an amazing thing that the, that didn't happen to the Browns. Would I, I, you doesn't that feel very Browns? Oh yes. Yeah, oh and, you know? and Baker Mayfield may have been like a candidate for that kind of stuff, but like, <laughs> you know,
3: the uh you know, just imagine how much would you give to have been a bit of fly on the wall? when this clause was presented as something that needed to be in the contract <laughs> i just i would love to just hear that first five reactionary minutes when they laid this out as a clause that they wanted to put in the contract cuz it's all a negotiation everything is negotiated every little bit this one had to have been you know, I, I, I want to see, like, did the lawyer be like, yeah, that's probably a good deal idea, you know, uh, or did, or was he like, this is ridiculous and they had to fight for it? I want to know. I want to know whether it. he just acquiesced to this thing or if this was some long, drawn out battle to get your four hours. Like, And how are you going to
0: enforce this thing? What are you going to do? Put him on camera like a baby cam? That's what I'm saying. I don't know how they would enforce it either. It's hilarious. First of all, the number is four hours. Like that's hilarious. I mean, I guess if they were going for something easy for him, like I don't know, it's hilarious. The thing that's funny is somebody made a graph of Kyler's PFF grades according to when the newest release of Call of Duty happened, and it it aligns. (laughs) And I was like, man, I would be very curious of the uh, Baker Mayfield Halo release uh, important release dates if anything lines up there, especially when we heard about some rumors about his uh, video game addiction the week of the Green Bay game when he was sitting at home with with COVID for the week. So anyway, I had to get your opinion on that. And of course, you hit it out of the park. We are going to shift over and talk about the AFC North quickly. We are not going to spend a ton of time on this. We'll probably dig deeper in the season as we always do. But I want to rank from bottom to best how we envision the AFC North going. And as we do that, we will talk about Every team. I have to imagine you, like me, thinking about football the way we do, sees Pittsburgh as the team that is most likely to finish at the bottom of the division. Hard to imagine and still might finish nine and eight and be at the bottom <laughs> of the division or eight and nine and be at the bottom of the division. But I have to think their situation, A, at quarterback and B, some of the other important things like offensive line and corner are just like very, very suspect to the point that I don't feel good about them in modern football. Correct me if I'm wrong. Where do you have Pittsburgh pegged to finish this year?
3: Yeah, no, it's absolutely at the bottom of this division. And I know that, you know, um, we've been early predictors. You know, I almost feel like if you've ever seen the, uh, the movie The Big Short, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's a good quote in that movie, um, which was... That the the market can stay, um, it's like the the market can stay. Uh... A, uh irrational longer than you can stay solvent i think it, i think that's the quote but the bottom line is like you know he comes and he shorts all these you know mortgages or whatever before the you know and i i'm sorry to take it this way but like it, this is what it reminds me of i love that
0: movie you're good you know
3: so he he makes this big prediction bets all against these very you know rock solid normally uh mortgage packages and where it should, the market should have crashed. It lasted like another 18 months or something afterward until it finally, you know, bottomed out. And so that's kind of how I feel about our predictions on the Steelers, where we keep saying the bottom's got to, they've got to fall out uh, at some point, the bottom does. And I think what people might be missing a little bit, um, in thinking that this is going to go on is as bad as Ben was, um, You know, he had 20 years of NFL experience and, um, you know, to a certain extent, you kind of need that to do what he did with as little athletic ability as he had left last year. Um, To get the ball out that quickly and to get it to a place where you could get something out of it, um, I think is going to be like, you know, one of those things where people are like, well, it can't get any worse and you should never, ever say that about anything because we always can. So <laughs> I think know, that's sorry. what we're going to see this year. That's where I'm at. That's how I see it. Um, you know, it, it's certainly still, I don't expect them to go like one in 16 or something like that, but I think this is finally where the, you know, the, the the composition of the team and the record end up matching at the end of the year.
0: So real quick on Pittsburgh, and I think that's a that's the perfect analogy. We've been waiting, 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 and it feels like the time is now. They just have never. We were worried about them figuring out this quarterback thing, and from early reports of Pickett, it's Trubisky. It's like this is this is it, man. And I know it goes against everything Mike Tomlin has ever done, but it's just the reality of where they're at roster wise. They are a twenty twenty two seven win total vegas team so they only have three games on their schedule where they're the clear-cut favorite based on predictable win total from vegas that's the jets week four the falcons week 13 and the panthers week 15 there are some split type toss-up scenarios like the saints are an eight team for uh, eight win they have new england at eight and a half so there's some tight ones but like they're not their schedule is not favorable they have uh, one of the tougher schedules in the entire NFL and where you think it flips a big part of their metrics. When you look at how they were able to do, um, you know, the offensive metrics were terrible. They were 26th and drop back EPA, you know, 23rd and EPA total per play where they got away with things was they were two and a half wins, three wins over the expected win number because they were the 80th percentile second best team in one score games last year. Yeah. So that is never going to remain consistent. Their players yep. added. They added Mason Cole, DeMonte KZ, the safety Levi Wallace, a slot corner, Jannard Avery, formerly of Cleveland, another former Cleveland Brown, Larry Ogunjobi, which I hate Larry going there. He's just, Larry's going to be a Raven in a couple of years. He's going to make the tour. Uh, James Daniels at right guard, Miles Jack, the uh, fading inside linebacker and Trenton Scott. They lost Joe Hayden, Isaiah Bugs, the D end young player. Uh, Joe Shobert, they let go of. B.J. Finney, the offensive lineman. We know Roethlisberger, Trey Turner's done. James Washington, Juju Smith-Schuster, Ray-Ray McLeod are all wide receivers gone. And Eric Ebron, on the tight end. Here is their starting offensive line. While I like the receivers, Deontay Johnson, who might. There's a contract dispute going on there. Be very interesting to follow. Very talented receiver. But much like a lot of these receivers who are talented and creeping up on new deals, he's holding out or holding in quotation marks. Chase Claypool, George Pickens. Like Pickens. He's a big part of their draft. We know about Kenny Pickett. I don't think Kenny Pickett plays a ton this year. Um, so Kenny Pickett, George Pickens, and uh, DeMarvin Leal from Texas A&M are their first three picks. Their offensive line, Dan Moore at left tackle, Kevin Dotson at left guard, Mason Cole at center, right guard James Daniels, and right tackle is Chuck wuma That's terrible. That's a really terrible offensive line. It's really bad. Uh, their cornerbacks, Levi Wallace and... Aquila Witherspoon, Justin Lane, James Pierre, back up. You tell me how familiar you are with those guys, John. Cam Sutton is yeah, a decent – Yeah, I mean, I knew nickel.
3: Witherspoon a yeah. little bit, you know, from from college. But uh, I haven't heard very much uh, of him since getting into the league. Yeah,
0: Washington, it's
3: right?
0: Yeah. It's thin, man. It's thin. So they fielded the third-best DVOA defense last year. So that obviously has to repeat this year. Um they were lucky enough to, you know, winning eight of 10 close games last year, which is, you know, those games just tend to flip. So the eight win range is, I think, a fair number for them. And, um, yeah, I don't know if there's anything else to cover on Pittsburgh. We've kind of covered who they've added. I think, you know, who they've added there, I'm not sure many of those guys will really, really matter to who they've added. I think some guys that they lost, I mean, the corner situation with Hayden, but like, I just don't see this Pittsburgh team being very. Could they overachieve and do the Tomlin usual? Sure, but I don't know, man. It's hard for me to think it's going to work out for them. It really is, really is. Yeah, I'm going um, to stay on my bet. I think this is finally the year it pays off. I think, I think the seven win number. Okay, I'll ask you real quick. Uh, seven and a half is their number over or under.
3: I'm going go under.
0: Okay, so fourth place, a seven win team. Now the, this gets spicy. Who's your third? Who do you have finishing third? Okay, this uh, I'm I'm not doing things
3: to please on this one. uh, And I have to bet on things, um, you know, with the uncertainty that there is. Um, I have I have to
0: start the season. I have the Browns in third. I think I do, too, because you have to be fair to Jacoby Brissett and your expectations have to be tempered. I I really think they have to be tempered there. So I think that's fair that that means and again, the Browns. If they things break their way, they got to beat one of these two teams. Who do you have being better, predicting to finish better, Baltimore, or Cincinnati?
3: I've got Baltimore. <laughs> you
0: yeah, know, and so it's you, funny
3: because like I don't, you know, um, there's there's lots of things that I don't love about the team. Um, uh, there's plenty of holes to pick on, um, <clears throat> plenty of points to be made there. But um, again, like I, I, you know, people talk about Tomlin's coaching job. I think. Harbaugh probably did a better job last year Um, when you talk about a team that loses something so core. The the way that they got ravished in the secondary, um, I, I think the people that maybe don't look at film and stuff like that don't really understand how badly that hurt the entire team identity. I know they got lucky in some games as well. Um, But I just feel like if uh, if that team comes back healthy, I do think that the Bengals step back a little bit. I've got I've got Baltimore on top to start.
0: Okay, so let's talk Bengals because we have them finishing second. So the Bengals things that stand out, um, obviously, you know, they're a regression team. A lot of of people peg them as a, a regression candidate, which for a team coming off a Super Bowl loss, that's a pretty good thing. You know, having the nobody believes in us. Uh, trademark is, is, is a good thing to have going into your season. Five of the last seven Super Bowl losers went on to win under their win total the next season. One team pushed, but uh, the not not many uh, Super Bowl losers end up faring very well. Things that are interesting here, their one-score game win percentage was only 18th. They had a ton of injury luck. Their seventh in injury luck is accumulated by EPA and all of that stuff uh, that, that goes into that standard um so they they didn't they didn't uh didn't deal with the injury bug and that's one thing that i think could creep in a little bit even though you know joe being back healthier than ever although he did get his appendix removed uh, i think or something of the sort he had some sort of surgery there to get that removed the other day but um yeah like they're they're just going to be a fascinating team to watch to see how consistent they could be on the explosive play rate where um you know, Burrow finishes second among quarterbacks in the EPA plus uh, EPA plus completion percentage over expected. Number one in target throw percentage. Number one in yards per attempt. Jamar Chase finished top ten in yards per route run. Fourth in yards per uh, uh, yards after the catch per reception. So cool. you know that stuff. Uh, Trey Hendrickson gets twenty sacks. Cheetah Beaubusier, like, are those guys going to be able to repeat a lot of what they did? They did make some good additions. Ted Karras, the center, Alex Kappa, Lyle Collins are their biggest additions. All three of which should make their biggest weakness better. They did lose uh, Trey Waynes. They lost some uh, offensive linemen that I don't think matter all too much. Um, like they lost four offensive linemen: Trey Hopkins, Quentin Spain, Xavier Sa- Saofiola, Philo, and then uh, Riley Reif. They lost those guys, but that's not a big deal. C.J. Uzoma gets swapped out. He goes to the Jets. They bring in uh, Hayden Hurst, older. Tight end from Baltimore originally went to Atlanta, goes to uh, Cincy now. So he's their tight end with Drew Sample behind him. But it's a much better offensive line. I mean, we know their three wide receivers are very good: Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, Jonah Williams. Your left tackle, Jackson Carmen. Your left guard, who I still think stinks, but nonetheless, Uh, Ted Karras is your center. Alex Cap is your right guard. Right tackles: Lyle Collins. That's a significantly better group. Um, I think that's fair to say. Um, Sam Hubbard and Trey Hendrickson are going to be your ends for them. DJ Reader, BJ Hill, are their, are their interior guys. Starting Jermaine Pratt, still going to start. Uh, Logan Wilson at linebacker. Von, Bill, Von Bell, we'll see their contract. They have another dicey contract situation with Jesse Bates. Yep. We'll see how that shakes out. Mike Hilton in the slot, who I think is a fine player. But like Cheeto and, and it was Eli Apple going to start a ton. Is just Cam Taylor. Like Their draft was... Dax Hill, who I think is a super talented, versatile safety. Cam Taylor-Britt, they took in the second round that corner they like. They took Zach Carter from Florida in the fourth round. And then they took Cordell Volson, this um, North Dakota State tackle, highly athletic tackle. They took him. So, I mean, I think that it all for Cincinnati will come down to whether teams can figure out how to take away Jamar Chase. Well, if and we I'll tell you, figure they that good. out, right? Go ahead. I,
3: and, it, and that's exactly – Probably what sticks in my mind the most, to be honest with you, I hate to – all those points are exactly the big points to make. So once you've made those, the tougher schedule, they got the first-place schedule, they got the injury luck, all those things that you already stated. Um, Once you get past that, um, I can't quite get that Cleveland game out of my head where they were able to handle that better than um, just about any team – um in the regular season uh and i think that they can do that again and i certainly think that baltimore can do that um so when you're talking about the the tough schedule that they have um a a little bit of a blueprint you know that the nfl is a copycat league a little bit of a blueprint um in how the browns handled that um and four games against the browns in the um you know in baltimore secondary and then the rest of their tough schedule um yeah, I mean, I tried to tell like uh, a lot of Bengals guys, you know, like uh, I understand that you got Joe Burrow and we had Baker Mayfield, but uh all all that being said, the idea that the Browns were not going to win like 13 games this time last year was uh, you know, almost unthinkable to me. And <laughs> you know, with all the additions that they made and you know, how they had done and, you know, the uh, the schedule lining up. The schedule was very favorable for the Browns, too. Um, so when I say that, like, I know it sounds insane today to say that. But when you looked mm-hmm. at the schedule going in and it played out that way, too, it didn't change that much in terms of what, what it looked like in the preseason. But I tried to tell, you know, some Bengals people, it's just like I'm, I'm telling you right now, like if somebody had told me that the Browns were going to regress um, record wise. Um last year it was just totally bonkers to me. And so just don't think that they just think that, you know, it, it seems so brownsy, you know, they're just like, well, we made the Super Bowl last year and we added all these good players and we short up the offensive line, so that must just equal uh an extra two, three wins. And the the rest of the AFC just loaded up like it's a Cold War. Um, you know, and um you know, the the Browns, obviously, uh, once Deshaun gets back, get better. All those types of things, you have a first-place schedule. like they're, It just seems very myopic, the kind of viewpoint that you get out of the Bengals fans uh, these days, and they just don't think that there's any possibility that things could go wrong. And um, I, I know it's fresh in our minds as Browns fans, but I can't get that out of my head. Like, you know, we just – there was no way that we thought that you know, you I mean go back to your show with uh with Jordan Zerm, right? The negative show. That was like a a weird show to have.
0: Yeah. It's coming up Monday, by the way. I'll be doing it Okay,
3: Monday. well good. I mean it's a good it's it's a good concept. But like when I remember like listening to it last year and thinking how outlandish you know some of the stuff that you guys were saying were there. And I and you guys were like digging deep to kind of try and come up with scenarios. It's not like you Thought those things were likely to happen, but they did. They did almost all of the things happened, including the worst case yeah. scenario, which Baker taking a complete nosedive. So yeah. I just think, I don't, that ben- and I don't
0: blame Cincinnati fans. It's hard. It's I hard don't to come off of that. It's hard to come right. off the Super Bowl run where That's you can fair. see, hey, the offensive line is better. We've improved our weakness, but it just. We'll see. They might just be good to enough to just, like yeah, yeah it, it, it'll it be, it's a fascinating season for them. And I, I kept, I probably used the word fascinating a lot with them last year because it's just like, okay, ultimately how good is Joe Burrow? Like that's what you're going to figure out is, is he the next version of Tom Brady down the line? Like that's what you're, what you're, you're banking on because it's going to have to be, he's just going to have to be to, to uh, continue to, to rise to the level with some of the holes they have to make it all work. So, We'll, right. we'll pay attention closely. I wanted to reiterate uh, win totals like prediction. So the Steelers have the second hardest by by uh, average opponent Vegas total. They have the second toughest schedule in the league. They have the 8.9 average from opponents predicted win number. So that's obviously pretty tough for Pittsburgh and adds to the to the stance that you and I had. Cincinnati, on the other hand, has surprisingly not as bad. They're the 23rd. Um, so they have the – it's still tough. What is it, the ninth toughest schedule? They have 8.6. But like Cincinnati with – Vegas predicts them to win 10 games is uh, favored in quite a few, like like Pittsburgh, the Jets, the Dolphins, the Saints, the Falcons, the Panthers, Steelers twice. Um, technically, they're a half win predicted better than Cleveland, so they have Cleveland twice. They have New England, who's an eight-and-a-half prediction. I know this is kind of goofy, but it does give you an idea that their schedule – has quite a few games in there baked in that are pretty manageable for them. Like their push games where they view it as Vegas is saying they're just as good. I think you can include Cleveland at nine and a half. Baltimore also at nine and a half. Dallas is a 10-win prediction team. Uh, The Chiefs are 10 and a half. And then you have Tampa Bay and Buffalo who are both 11 and a half. So um, that's just giving you an idea of those two. Like For example, Cleveland is the 8th. Uh, geez, they have the, they have one of the easier schedules, 8.3 across the board for the Browns. So, um, they're actually like the, I guess you could phrase it as the eighth easiest. I don't know how to phrase these. It's really, it's eighth yeah. out of 32 toughest. I, I'm not mm-hmm. great with how to forecast these, but, um, a lot of favorited, uh, especially the very beginning where the only team to start off the season is the chargers in week, uh, week five which I had to double take that they play the Chargers the same week this year as last year. Um, Anyway, let's talk about the Ravens as we close. So you think they're going to win the division? I kind of think that they should be favored to win the division. I think that's a fair assumption to make. Um, A lot of uh, pieces that are important for them are back. They uh, obviously are going to – I mean, the health stuff was bananas. I want to see here if I can pull up what they're – what their um yeah, their injury luck was zero, which was thirty second. <laughs> like it was unbelievable how many injuries that, that, that ended up costing them last year. Uh, their outlook is is built on, hey, we're just thinking we're gonna actually be healthy this year. And that should help things, right? It should obviously help. They didn't make a ton of additions from the free agent market. They added Marcus Williams is a big one. That's a nice player, free safety coming oh, over yeah. from New Orleans. They did bring in Kyle oh, Fuller, who's uh, kind of faded Kyle Fuller a little bit. Michael Pierce comes back. Mike Davis, a running back. Morgan Moses. They didn't add much. They did lose quite a few names that you're probably familiar with. Bradley Bozeman, Derek Wolf, Brandon Williams, the defensive tackle. Justin Houston, the edge. Anthony Averitt, the, the outside corner. Sammy Watkins, Tavon Young, one of their nickelbacks forever. They brought in Alejandro Villanueva to play tackle last year. He's out after this year. The running backs they brought in. Devonte freeman latavius murray they let go of marquise brown in that trade to the cardinals and then they let go of deshaun elliott the safety but their draft is pretty strong kyle hamilton another nice safety piece tyler linderbaum a nice uh obviously a nice interior offensive lineman both of those are first round picks david ajabo won't play this year because of the achilles but he was a nice pick travis jones a lot of people liked there's a lot of names there a lot of guys they like they've been high on isaiah likely the fourth round to ed Six fourth round picks this this past year, which is which is kind of crazy. They have the eleventh easiest schedule um, with an eight point three win total. So their schedule, the two toughest schedules, belong to prediction wise. Here we all know it gets in season; it's certainly capricious. But the two toughest schedules: Cincinnati, Pittsburgh, Cleveland. The easiest in the division, air quotes easiest, and then and then uh, and Baltimore. But you know, with Baltimore, my my thought is, man, like. How are they going to help Lamar, you know, because here's your wide receiver predicted three wide receivers if they're an 11 personnel. Rashad Bateman, I like him. People loved him more than I did. I like him. He's their he's their guy. Devin Duvernay is their other receiver on the outside predicted and James Proche the the second. Uh is a, I believe a SMU product. Those are their starting wide receivers. Um Tylen well, Wallace can also float around. It's 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 bad. I mean, Mark yes. Andrews is nice. We know Mark Andrews is effective. They like I said earlier, they like Isaiah you, but they didn't draft a single wide receiver nor sign a single wide receiver. And um yeah, it's whew, it's I just rough. think that they're
3: just doing what they're doing. Honestly, like I just I, I don't think that they're trying to really help Lamar that much. And and believe me, if um <clears throat> You know, I still think, like, say, as a scale here, like when we talk about the first, second, third um, finishers in this conference, they've all got a shot to be within a game of one another and make the playoffs, all three of them. So, um, you know, when I say, you know, these, it it, it doesn't mean uh, – I, I still think all three have a very good shot to make the playoffs in a very tough conference. And if you – if we're sitting here in week 17 – Um, And this thing plays out exactly the way I, you know, or the way that um, that we basically have have talked out here. Um, And then we talk about the playoffs. I'm going to have a different answer for how I feel about Baltimore's chances um, for that regard. But I just feel like when it comes to this regular season and what they do, um, as ugly as those wide receivers are, I just, I don't know. I'm starting to just think it It almost doesn't matter. You know, I do like Bateman quite a bit. I did like him probably a little more than you. Uh, I was one of the people that loved him um, quite a bit. I also think that if anybody was going to give you the kind of price that they got for Hollywood Brown, then you, I mean, you absolutely immediately send them the papers on that. I think mm-hmm. that they need a player of that. Type and I don't know that they have that, um, but I certainly would never have turned down that deal in any regard for what you got for him. I mean, it was almost, um, not quite, but in the realm of like the Trent Richardson type trade, <clears throat> in my opinion. But
0: I was yeah, really I don't afraid know. of DK Metcalf getting traded there, like, really uh, quietly afraid completely. of that, quietly afraid of it. Um, yeah, like, I, I mean. The, the the numbers last year, their defense was an absolute disaster. They were twenty seventh in EPA per play, twenty seventh in EPA per drop back, turnover EPA, they were twenty seventh yards per play, twenty ninth explosive play rate allowed, thirtieth. It was it was it was a disaster. There's no other real way to put it in their offense wasn't really very good either, especially their third downs last year. They were 30th and third down conversion. They hired Mike McDonald as the defensive coordinator. They've changed some things. It'll be interesting to see because the talent's there. I mean, Patrick Queen's been up and down, but he's talented. Marcus Peters and Marlon Humphrey, good players. Marcus Williams, Chuck Clark, Kyle Hamilton now fitting in into your safety room. Um, it's nice to not have to bank on Kyle Hamilton starting right away, as talented as he is. But then, like, you know, uh, Steffens is Brandon Steffens their Nickel, but then they got Calais Campbell, Michael Pierce, Justin Matabuke, Tyus Bowser, and Odafe Owe. Like, they're very deep, uh, um, very deep. Now, they did lose uh, a sad loss of life there with Jalen Ferguson, which is really unexpected. Um, that that's, that's tough. And then, you know, Jabba will be out the whole year, too, but... This is a very good defense. I have more faith in their defense being good than their offense. I really don't know, unless they can play bully ball which with the, with, the, with their run game again, which I just don't know if their offensive line is built to do that. I don't know how their offense is going to to muster a ton of dangerous plays. That's what I'm so fascinated in, why I'm like, man, maybe I think the Bengals should be forecasted on top of it. I think that's why Vegas has the Bengals a half game better because they just trust the consistency that should come with the Bengals offense based on what they did last year and what they bring yep, back. The numbers say that
3: should be the case. You're right. Yeah.
0: yeah. I'm with you though. I have a hard time displacing Baltimore because I think the injury luck will turn over. So um, yeah, should be, should be fascinating all around. Baltimore like a six game losing streak to end last year. Was, uh, and
3: was and like I said, by. like uh, I, when I, when I look at this one through three, um, it would not surprise me to be within one game, you know, yeah. like couple like two people Three. tied and one person yeah. one game under. Like yeah. that's where I see this division. Um, I don't see one team dominating it for sure. Um I you know, I mean the AFC is just so damn tough. Um, but yeah, like, I mean, so it wouldn't surprise me one way or another. This is just um, you know, and if um if there was no suspension for Sean, I would be seeing this a little differently as well. But it's just Uh, I I wouldn't argue too much if you want to talk the consistency of offense and the kind of wide receivers that, um, you know, the sense he has and that kind of stuff, then um, I think you have a very good argument for the people that want to make that. I just, um, for now, coming into this season, I just, I can't, I can't quite hand it to him yet.
0: I can't either. I think there's a little bit of that uh, big short analogy you made earlier, where I, I feel like it's hard for me to preseason hand the division over to anybody but Baltimore or Pittsburgh. It's just been that way for so long, right? Like even I know Cincinnati had that run from like was it twelve to fifteen or sixteen where they were they were perennially competing and won the division a couple times. I think maybe once, yep. but maybe I a think, couple. Yeah, I think. Twice. Um, but I just can't. I just can't get there mentally quite yet. And we may look back on this and feel really silly at the end of the year, but. Nonetheless, I'm with you. I trust a lot of what Baltimore has there, but but I think this is possible if they if these teams in the division here beat up on the NFC South and beat up on the NFC East. A eh, sorry, AFC East. I think three of them could make the playoffs. I really do. I, I think that they they have enough talent on the top three teams we've talked about here to all three make the playoffs and and um, and be competitive and, and really be competitive. So. Any closing thoughts on the AFC North before we duck out today, my friend?
3: No, not for me. I just I think it's going to be a wild ride, and uh, I'm you know I'm looking forward to getting away from the off season mm-hmm. um, in a way that I haven't um, in some time. So um, <laughs> it sh-
0: it should be yeah. fun. I think you're uh, you're not alone in that sentiment, and, and hopefully we get a a decision on the on the future of Watson soon. So we can all put it behind us and, and uh, try to move on and cover a football. You only get so many football seasons in your life. I was thinking about that the other day, like you only get, you you only get like 50 football seasons or whatever, you know, you're not really consciously aware your first 10 years. Average human life is like what? 65, 70. So you only get so many of those football seasons to really enjoy. And, and um, I hate looking past them or anything like that because you're not enjoying it. So I just want to have fun covering the Browns and and talking about the NFL. John, I appreciate you, bro, uh, as always, uh, coming on and taking your time and giving everybody a good show. So thanks, man.
3: Yeah, no, I appreciate it, Jake. Uh, always a good time, man. So I hope things are going well at home. I uh, hope you're getting some sleep when you can. So uh, I don't want to take any more of that. So <laughs> get on with it. <laughs> uh, it's
0: it's goes without saying it's not it's not great first two weeks not great so <laughs> we're doing our best thanks to john for showing up today and doing a great show uh bringing his insights and thoughts on the division i love to talk about the FC north with him so we'll continue to do that this year so uh, you got that to look forward to if you're a loyal listener otherwise guys this is a saturday episode check back sunday for another review of training camp it'll be the fourth day of training camp we'll get some uh videos from the live session And I'll talk to you about those and do a quick hitter on Sunday to close out the month of July. The month of July is almost over. It's crazy to think about. And then it's August and football season is off and running. Thanks for checking in on this Saturday. Thanks for continuing to support the OBR, especially this podcast. Thanks guys so much. Have a great day. Go Browns.
2: Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about.